Hello and welcome to This Ripe Fruit. My name is Phoebus and this podcast series aims to look at what it means to be sexual by exploring the experiences and insights of people who either directly work in the sex industry or whose work is closely linked to sex. I'm a psychotherapist and currently carrying out a doctorate on the meaning of sexuality, and my aim in this series is to create an open and non-judgmental space where we can all listen and learn from people who deal with sex and the sexual professionally. My guest today is Sassy Lap Dancer, who is an erotic dancer and stripper. In this episode, we discuss what it is like for her to work in a strip club, how she performs in front of the male gaze versus the female gaze and what makes her body sexual. But first I asked her to describe what a normal day at work looks like for her. You turn up kind of, you know, probably even less dressed than you would would do for like your average office job, you know, like you turn up with no makeup, um, you might not have brushed your hair, you might still be in a tracksuit, um, you might have only actually got up that afternoon, you know, because you were working so late. Quite often the girls are kind of eating McDonald's and stuff like that, you know, in the changing room or um, not always. Obviously, we eat quite healthy, but it's it's not um, it's not quite as militant as you'd think. But then we have a huge changing room where I work and um, everyone just kind of literally will spend an entire hour in front of the mirror, putting their face on, doing their hair, putting on fake lashes There'll be toothbrushes in their locker. There'll be body lotions. There'll be kind of absolutely everything. Um, there's a house mum, usually, and there's a house mum at the club where I work. It's, it's one of London's biggest. You know, there's quite easily 50 girls, 60 girls a night. Wow. On, you know, on the, on the busy times. And so there'll be a kind of house mum who'll kind of be holding it all together and she'll have like a kind of a cupboard full of tricks and hairspray and spare outfits and G-strings and, you know. Cause... Okay, so then after you finish this hour of preparing, mm-hmm. what happens? After you finish the hour of prep, you sort of psych yourself up, you go onto the floor and usually the first thing you'll do is, is survey the club. It's usually still very quiet in terms of customers and there's lots of girls just sitting around um so quite often the girls will start off and um, by having a drink basically and just chatting with the other girls and um just kind of waiting for the customers to come in and then the customers get sat in different areas of the club or they'll go to the bar and depending on where you're sat that's the luck of the draw whether you're going to be able to speak to that particular customer you can't see somebody walk in at the door and then literally follow them all the way to the other end of the club if there's girls already at the other end of the club. So, so you have your allotted place in the club? It's not allotted. It's very free. You can just move around as you want. But you'll sit where your friends where you sit, you'll sit where your friends are or you'll sit where you like to sit and where you like to work, basically. I'm a bar girl. I like to sit by the bar. So then um, uh, is it usually men, exclusively men that come to this club no no lots of people will come in there as part of a couple or i mean we get hindus we'll get kind of um office parties coming in essex girls seem to really really like it for a night out kind of thing i'll come in with a guy your guys will come in with their girlfriends i mean it doesn't i'm not saying that every single i would say that every single night actually there are some female customers there but they'd still probably only make up about maybe five or 
five or ten percent of the total footfall mm -hmm. so then let's say you get starting start talking to a man mm -hmm. um what would what how would that conversation develop you'll usually ask like hi how are you what's your name um but people really like their names being remembered i'll ask them you know where they're from whether they're here for business or um if they're a tourist whether they live in london whether they've been to london before just kind of really icebreaker kind of questions my kind of persona that I've created is is really integral to me getting a dance. You know, the fact that I'm English is very integral. Uh, the fact that I'm from London, that I'm one of the only blondes, English blondes working at the club, that I'm pretty much the only blonde from London working in the club. So I'll quite often work that in subtly into a conversation just so that they have an idea of the kind of exclusivity aspect of getting a dance with me because you are competing against, you know, between 30 and 50 women. So the negotiations are kind of like the stuff of legend. Um, they can go on for quite a while or they can be very, very quick. Some guys just say, yes, let's go. Some guys will ask about how long it's going to be, how much time they're going to get. Some will try and bargain you down. The key thing is, is that most dancers, we don't like people saying no to us. And we are very, very pushy salespeople. We're some of the most pushy salespeople on the planet. So how long would an average negotiation last? Well, uh, last night we did one and it was two dancers. There were three dancers, two guys from Slovakia. And the negotiation lasted about, oh my God, about 20, 25 minutes. It was painful, but the club was really quiet. So there was nothing better for us to do. This is what I quite often do when I'm at, I'm at the club. So let's say, let's do a bit of role play now. So you're the customer. So I'll be there, and especially if it's their first time in the strip club, I won't go straight in and say, oh, let's have a dance. I'll say, you know, it's a beautiful place. You've never been here before. How about I just kind of walk you through it and give you a tour, all right? And, uh, and I'll say, so then I'll point and I'll say, look, that is the cocktail stage. That, then behind it, that's the main stage. So on the weekends when it's busy there'll be a whole girl's dance. There'll be a girl dancing there for two songs on rotation completely throughout the night. There'll be one on the other stage, complete rotation throughout the night. Sometimes we have fire shows. We have burlesque dancers that come on there. There are two other little stages. Sometimes we have a live saxophonist. We have some guys on the drums who come in and play over the house music. It's a really pumping atmosphere. It's amazing. You'd love it. You should come back on a Saturday oh my God, you should so come back on the Saturday, bring your wife, bring your date, bring your friends, come back. So I've got them excited about the club then. I've told them how cool it is because it's quite often, you know, it's half empty. So I've told them how cool the place can be. So I've got them interested. Then I'll say over here, we've got the VIP rooms and they're like the big VIP rooms. And that's where you go if you really want to kind of like spend time with a girl, get intimate, get all up close. You know, there's waitress service, there's bottle service. It's basically like a little piece of Vegas. Have you ever been to Vegas? Yes, you've been to Vegas. No, you've been to Vegas. Everyone knows about Vegas. You can throw Vegas in there and people get very excited. You say that's a little bit more expensive because it is the whole Vegas experience. And... Um, I think for yeah for an hour it's 600 for half an hour it's 300 that's quite fun and then you kind of gauge what they say on that you know if they look shocked that anything could cost six or 300 pounds then you go straight on to like 
the rest of the tour. You know, oh yeah, there's the DJ. And you're not moving around, walking around the club here. You're just at the bar pointing things out to people. See, there's the DJ booth. You say something about the DJ that you've got on tonight. Um, and then you say, and behind that, that's the kind of dance booths. And then this is usually where somebody will nod and go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The dancers, the dancers, yeah, yeah, the lap dancers, they're the 20 pound dancers. Because guys always know that a dance costs 20 pounds. Because when they come into the club, the bouncer tells them, this is a lap dancing club. And that, and the industry standard starting price for a lap dance is 20 pounds. 20 pounds for how many minutes? One song. Okay. Three minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's house music, so the dancer gauges how long a song is quite often. <laughs> we just know, you know. Okay, that's enough. That's <laughs> enough. We just know, that's enough. We want some more money, otherwise we're spending your time. If you, if, you spend, if you spend literally an entire track, you could be there for like 15, 20 minutes because some house music's really, really long. So, but they pay you in cash? They pay you in cash or they can pay you by card. And where do you keep the cash? In my you handbag. Have, you have a handbag. Okay. Yeah, so this is my handbag here. This is my handbag. So I've got, this is my, this is my, I usually kind of have one handbag and use it to death. This I'm, is it. This is it. <laughs> For the moment. I'm very, yeah, this is one I bought just before Christmas. Fabulous. It's actually holding up quite well. I'm very picky with my handbags. They have to be bright so I can see them in the dark. They have to be able to fit my phone. They have to be able to have a small zip up compartment because if they, if they don't pay by, if they pay by, by, by card, they get these little casino chips and they're like little, you know, discs. And so you have to put them in a zip up compartment, otherwise they can fall out. They have to be long enough for me to have the cash folded and um, unfolded and completely straight, you know, so they have to be at least the length or longer of like um, some of the longest notes, you know, hundred dollar bill, 50 pounds, something like that. So for a lap dance, um, do you keep all, do you keep, do you take off all your clothes or are there some un, um, like your underwear or, or something that you keep on? Uh, in London, the dancers are fully nude. Sure. So when you're on stage, uh, you have to go down to like your G string. Um, and then when you're giving a dance and they're fully nude, but saying that with fully nude, if you're wearing say like a lingerie set, then, you know, the stockings, obviously you'll keep on and the suspender belt you'll keep on. So you just be taking off your bra and your knickers. Okay. Uh, and there's no touching no or by the sev laws as you're saying yeah there should not be any touching yeah so the dance for you is what is that dance what is that moment for you how what is that interaction with your customer i generally i generally you know i, I kind of you have a sort of routines that you kind of go into and like moves that you can you can sort of make. Like I said, I'm very playful and I like eye contact, which some people, which most guys kind of like as well, because some dancers just kind of like wobble their tips in front of people, you know, um, and I'm not really like that. So, uh, but what what is what is it that you're trying to achieve through your dance? I think what I'm trying to achieve by dance, I've sort of made up a rough kind of routine so that I know that, you know, the act of taking my clothes off and the moves I make will be about three minutes. That's, that's the first point because it's a business after all. So let's keep the time. Um, I quite often talk to people whilst giving a dance, you know, Oh, I uh, always say like, oh, you know, are you a tits man or you're an ass man? 
um do you like this do you like that you know um um have you ever had like have you ever had like an english blonde before or that kind of stuff so i'll point things out like little quirks and stuff again there's a lot because they can't touch you you have to sort of kind of touch yourself quite a quite a bit you're not you're not allowed to kind of vaginally stimulate yourself so you're not allowed to like finger yourself or anything like that but you'll be like stretching out your legs and like running your hand up and down your legs or like caressing a boob or something like that running your fingers through your hair things like stuff like that to try and make it as kind of they're touching you vicariously yeah you have to make it as sensual as possible and what are the men usually doing when they are watching you you get you get different types so what some men will just sit there and they're very very good as it were they're like the good boy at school and they'll just sit there and they'll have a big smile on the face and their hands will be by their side and they'll just be like wow like almost like they're watching tv um so that's one type of man then you get the other ones and they'll sit there but they'll put their hands on their knees so they can sort of grab you and then you have to push their hands all the way because when you've got the no touching thing it basically it means that you just have to push people's hands away most of the time and not get too close and stuff because there are bouncers patrolling up and down whenever you're giving a dance and there's cctv so there's somebody in the office who's watching all of the dancers um from the moment the club opens to the moment it shuts yes you're always being watched and um what else i think it's always batting them away it's very very rare that a guy will kind of be aggressively trying to touch you you know um they'll usually have to be quite drunk so what in your belief makes a good stripper you have to have a fairly thick skin you because you do get some guys that come in and they are you know they, they, they kind of relish the fact that they can kind of say rude things to women it doesn't happen much but it does a little bit the hours are very very long and you have to be able to take rejection really really well that's why that's the key thing i think why you need thick skin you have to be able to just get used to the fact that some people will just say no every single time you turn up to work somebody will say no to you so can we talk a little bit about your body as a sexual object um so what is it you believe that makes your body sexual do you feel it is sexual all the time or is there something about suddenly appearing on stage and men are looking at you in a sexual way and therefore you're suddenly a sexual being i think for me going on stage is very much key to me being a sexual being i love going on stage i can't do all of the world's best pole tricks but i'm very good at kind of floor work i'm very good at moving around the stage there's a particular type of pole dancing called flow which just means you kind of yeah you just move kind of sinuously around the space and i definitely do that i use all four corners of the stage i start climbing up on things not just the pole like you know, uh, bits of wall and all sorts. Um, uh, so to me, it's a very kind of 3D space that I can move around in. And I just, I feel so sexy on stage. I love it. I love it. I love being on stage. And is there something about you exhibiting yourself and somebody watching you? Definitely, I think it's the exhibitionism 
there's a lot to there's you know I do I do love the idea that people are watching me I think when I go for a dance people are watching me quite often because you know there's this kind of intimate intense you and me kind of scenario whereas when I'm on stage people are watching me because they want to be me they want to be that girl or they want to have that girl they want to you know I'm like the embodiment of of desire and seduction when I'm up there I have all the lights on me I know my best angles you know I know all the moves I have signature moves that nobody else in the club does um some dancers just kind of some dancers just walk around the pole like they're waiting for a bus seriously they'll just walk around like they're waiting for a bus and they'll they'll never smile and they'll look really moody and they, they want to get off as soon as possible because you don't make any money on stage in the UK. You don't get tipped on stage as a general rule of thumb. Um, it's not like America where people are making it rain. That does happen in, you know, that does happen. And certainly, you know, I get tipped on stage, um, you know, fairly frequently, but not as much as say like dancing in America. And I find being on stage is a really good opportunity for me to have like a reboot as well. I find mentally it kind of reboots me for going out on the floor and actually talking with and interacting on the people and doing the hustle. It's like a kind of, it's my own little moment of beauty and, and creativity that I'm making myself for myself rather than, which is weird because you would think you would go on stage for everyone else, but no, I go on stage for myself because um, I enjoy it. When I do have that kind of moment on stage, I'm just, I'm just in it. It's my space. It's a huge space. It's all mine. I can do what I want on it. You know, I can move how I want on it. And um, and I just love that kind of feeling. It makes me feel free again, I think. It's like the pure nakedness. You feel very, very free rather than being very sexual. Mm -hmm. so, so you mentioned your body when you're on stage is, is an incredibly sexual object. Mm -hmm. what, what happens when you aren't on stage? Let's say you're in public, but not on a stage you're like walking on the street or you're in the tube or how do you experience your body then oh the complete opposite i don't see myself as a sexual object in public i mean i do when i'm at work and if i go out and i'm dressed up and everything but if i'm just kind of wandering around kind of running my errands or something like that you know i very rarely wear makeup during the day um and if i do it's very very light um quite often don't brush my hair especially if I've had it at work the night before it's just too much bother you know um because it gets really you know gets really tangled because it's all bleached blonde and you know uh, you know hairspray and everything I just I just can't be bothered it takes so much effort and preparation to put that in and I think maybe as well I do like to have a separation between who I am when I'm at work and then who I am in real life which is, you know, a law student, kind of uh, a Londoner. I kind of, you know, I've grown up here. I have friends here. I have family here. They all know what I do. But um, I think there was a kind of stage in my early 20s when a couple of my friends were like, like uh, you know, you're looking like a stripper. And I hated that. I really, really hated that. Often I, I, I feel that I get chatted up so much at work because I'm chatting people up, but people are always chatting me up as well, that, that when I'm outside um, work, I just, you know, I like to be, I like to ident be identified as 
as somebody interesting, as somebody talkative, as somebody intelligent, um, and looks, you know, don't really, they don't really kind of mean so much to me. When it comes to sex in particular, um, personally, I really like to have a distinction between work and sex. Um, and and dating um i'm very open about the fact that i'm a dancer but i'm open about it it's something for me to be open about it's something for me to talk about um i really don't like it if i'm out with a date or out with a guy and he'll he'll identify me as a stripper to his friends or his colleagues in a kind of bragging way that really gets my goat up you know i don't want to i don't want to because then i feel like all of a sudden i'm being judged for being so-and-so's new new girl and then all of a sudden I'm being judged for being so-and-so's new girl who's also a dancer and a stripper and oh my god she's a bit bad and stuff and it, it the power play just doesn't work for me so you mentioned that you have dance for women as well yeah how do you experience the difference between the male gaze and the female gaze when you dance uh the women are either they're either usually they're either a lot more giggly or they want to touch you a lot more. They don't get the no touching rule. They absolutely don't. And they think that the no touching rule doesn't apply to them because they're women. So they're a lot more kind of grabby and stuff. They're naughty. They're very, very naughty. If they go in as a couple, you know, I've danced for women and they haven't got any knickers on um, and their skirt will ride up. You know, um, they'll try and get like their boyfriend to finger them while I'm dancing. And you're like, oh, no, you can't, you can't, you can't touch them either. Like not in that way anyway, because uh, the rules are so strict. I do like dancing for women though. I think generally with, with when I'm dancing for women, I feel like I'm, I'm a lot being a lot more dominant and I'm a lot more in control. Whereas if I dance for a man, I am in control bit in a kind of like girlish submissive way so when you're dancing for a woman you're saying you're being more dominant or in control what is it that you're communicating through your dance to a woman you're quite often telling them you know like oh you know that you know you know shall i take this off you know shall i remove the bra shall i do, shall I do this so you're, you're kind of constantly get gauging their consent you don't want them to feel uncomfortable you know i'll be like shall i do this shall i do that um they're a lot more giggly quite often they just I think with women as well, it's it's quite a confidence boost because when a woman's looking at you and she's getting turned on, then you know that the way you look is right because women can be so judgmental, you know, and your hair's your hair or your makeup or your body or something, you know, we can we're so judgmental about ourselves and also very judgmental about other women as well. So if I'm completely naked in front of a woman and she's getting turned on, then I'm definitely doing something right. So, so what would you say you've learned from your work about being sexual and the female body, at least? It's been quite interesting. I think, I think because where I've been blogging for so long, so I've got a website. I started off blogging, I think, in 2010. The first blog that I had was, what's the point in being a, being a lap dancer? And now it's London lap dancer. And I think it kind of, and the first one was a blog roll and it was like, last night this happened, last night that happened. And now it's uh, got club reviews and tips on how to audition and it's a much more informative and um, I tend not to write last night posts. I just say this happened at Christmas as a general thing or write a piece of fiction or something. 
And I think that shows how how my view of like my body and my industry and myself has changed because uh, when I first started, it was what's the point? And it was very stream of consciousness. And, you know, I'd, if I had a, I, w- I would be venting online, you know, if I had a bad night, oh God, all this stuff happened and ah, it's so annoying or my feet hurt or my, you know, like my hair's all tangled and, you know, kind of like I've got, got corn growing somewhere and, you know, uh, oh, just all that kind of stuff. Generally feet hurting is the big thing. Um, and now I've got, I'm much better at taking, or I'm hungover. Now I'm much better at taking care of myself and my body. You know, I make sure that I have the right vitamins. I make sure that I kind of um, alter my shoes so that they fit me better um, uh, and and wear kind of appropriate footwear during the days when I'm not working. I do lots of yoga. I kind of eat more healthy. And I think I think that I just feel a lot more accepting. And, and would you say that you've learned something or you've had insights about being sexual from being a stripper, from seeing how men react sexually, from seeing how other women react sexually, from seeing how what men want? I think, I think the biggest insights I've had haven't actually been from how men have viewed me being a dancer. I think that the biggest insights I've had are actually um, when I uh, joined a group called the East London Strippers Collective and I became and still am uh, kind of, I was one of their early members and I became kind of like a very key, integral, prolific member. I was producing a lot of events with them and um, I think and doing a lot of activism with them at the moment. We're sort of setting up a stripper union um, uh, so we're trying to, I think, I think that's made me learn the most about stripping because it is all of a sudden, it wasn't just me going to work for men. It was me going to work and being surrounded by these other people who did the same job as me and us all going on a feminist crusade together, mm. you know, and really kind of relishing dancing and the opportunities it gave us and the, uh, the, the, the people that we worked with and the people that we met and the other dancers and their skills and how we could use those kind of talents to uh, do things like produce art and, you know, I'd, you know, I'd be producing the art exhibitions or uh, kind of like club nights and, you know, I'd be producing the club night. I wouldn't, I'd, this is a weird thing. So when I do, when I do the productions for um, East London the ELSC presents, we call it. Um, I was never actually on stage performing. Um, I was always on stage as the compare and just like talking to a mic and introducing the acts. And um, I think a big reason for that is that whilst I'm at my club, I'm a big fish in that pond. When I'm actually with um, a lot of my kind of fellow dancer members from the collective, some of them are such incredible professional dancers that you know I'm a minnow I'm a minnow I'm just yeah I'm a minnow but I'm very good at making a party happen and start and promoting it and getting people in the doors and getting people excited so I was happy to not perform there but just kind of have them you know make 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 a nice performance space for everyone 
And, and are there any insights or advice you have for how people could enjoy their bodies as objects more? Yeah, definitely. Don't ever focus on the bits you don't like. Just don't do it. <laughs> okay. Just honestly, just don't, and, and just don't get hang, hung up on making everything perfect. I used to, and I used to spend a fortune getting my nails done and, um, you know, getting my nails done and um, sort of, you know, getting extensions put in my hair and everything else like that and, and making sure that my heart, I never had any roots and I got like an expensive spray tan like once every kind of five days. You know, I'd go to the gym and kind of overwork particular muscles trying to sculpt the perfect shape now I just really can't be bothered with any of that kind of stuff you know I just feel innately sexy the way I am so yeah you know I don't have a six-pack I don't have a six-pack you know I've got a flat stomach but so, so what is it that enables you to feel innately sexy although you don't have these perfect mm. attributes a lot of people think that is what's going to make them sexy what, what is your it's when you just give up, it's when you sort of like give up caring, you know, if your nail polish is a little bit chipped or you don't have, or you have real nails and they're cut short instead of fake nails, it doesn't matter because you don't have to look like a porn star. If you've got a bit of roots showing in your hair or, you know, kind of like you've got a bit of grease in it or it hasn't been blow dried or something, then, you know, or curled with a flat iron, you haven't spent an hour getting ready, basically, you, you should... Just don't care. There should be, there should always be some things which almost like there should be some things in your armor which you need to, to look sexy and feel sexy. Okay. So it's almost like, you know, you've got your hair, you've got your makeup, you've got your kind of your, uh, your skin, I'm going to say as one thing, as in kind of hair removal, making sure that, you know, you're moisturized and stuff like that. And then your body. And then your outfit. And people will always kind of look at those five things and be picky about some of them. And so generally I've found now that as long as kind of three or four of them are okay, then it's all right about the other ones. And even if they're just okay, you know, you, you can have really great hair and or really great eyes and um, no one's going to notice that you've got a bit of the cellulite on your ass. They're just not going to notice. You seem to be indicating that how you access the root of the, or the essence of your sexuality isn't from these kind of things like hair or nails or eyelashes it is something that you feel within you that is yeah so can you say a little bit about what do you tap into to kind of connect to your sexuality i think that when i go to work i know that i'm going to be i i, I kind of remember that you know there have been bad nights, but generally there is a lot of good nights and I get a lot of positive feedback and I'll try and remember those and keep that at the forefront of my mind. Mm. I quite often focus on certain things that are standard that I always really like about myself. Like I won't be, I'm not going to be so worried about my weight because I know that I've got a really great pair of legs and if I'm on stage, if I feel a bit fat, I just stare at my legs because my legs always cheer me up because I've got really great legs, you know? So just look at the bit that cheers you up, okay? Rather than focusing on... Because as soon as you start focusing on what's wrong with yourself, you kind of withdraw and you're trying to hide things and 
you know whereas if you're just focusing on what you do like you open up and then you you can expand and you can feel sexy and I think being sexual is is very much about kind of being open um whether it's talking about it feeling it or actually just kind of pushing your shoulders back holding your head up high and just carrying your air with that kind of open confidence And with that, we've reached the end of today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Sassy, you can follow her on Twitter at Sassy Lapdancer. She has her own blog at www.londonlapdancer.com. Finally, I'm always open to any feedback or comments you may have, which you can send directly to thisripefruit at gmail.com. And you can follow this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at thisripefruit fruit.